Welcome to the world's premier Black Crows podcast. State of America. Hosted by two of the band's most dedicated fans, David Hudson and Ian Rice. And now, let's get the show on the road. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the State of America podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ian Rice, and with me, as always, is my good buddy, David Hudson. David, how are you, sir? Ian, I couldn't be better. I've got like 12 days off in a row of work. I'm working on the podcast and listening to music. It doesn't get much better than that. That is a pretty sweet deal. Yeah, I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining at all. Uh, Actually, I've gotten a bunch of new vinyl in here lately. Well, in light of the subject matter of this episode, you went out and bought yourself a ton of Jayhawks vinyl. Isn't that right? I did. And um, I'll I'll be honest with you. So my exposure to the Jayhawks has always kind of been... I remember when Blue came out. I was in college. It was kind of a big... You know, it was a big song. But my exposure to them has just always been like, hey, they're, you know, connected with the Crows and... About a month or so ago, I was preparing for on Digital Kill the Radio Star. We're doing a, a series this month called An August of Americana. And what we're doing is we're tracing back the growth of the Americana or No Depression movement, whatever you want to call it, in the early 90s, and kind of how it evolved. So the first episode was on Uncle Tupelo, and then the second episode is kind of on the second wave. And one of the bands we talk, we're going to talk about was the Jayhawks, because even though they came a year or two before Uncle Tupelo, they really didn't get big until like 92 when Hollywood Town Hall came out. And so I was like, I'm going to you know listen to them more intently than I have in the past. And man, I fell in love with them. Uh, I think I told you I've bought four vinyls in the last couple of weeks. So basically all I've listened to is the Jayhawks and then the Gary and Mark album and then Mark's album with his uh, wife, Ingen, that just came out that we're going to talk about a little bit later. And just really immersed myself in in all of that music, and I really feel like I missed out on a lot. I really do. Yeah, I mean, I've 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 always uh, had a big appreciation for a lot of the Jayhawk stuff, and uh, you know, admittedly had uh, hadn't listened with any regularity for for a while. But I went back to like the Hollywood Town Hall and Tomorrow the Green Grass, and and just remembering how great those records were, and and even the Gary Loris Mark Olson duo album that was mostly acoustic uh ready for the flood which which was produced by by uh, chris robinson i forgot how much i love that record and it really you know the opportunity to to speak with mark olson really reopened the door back to some of the some of the older material that i hadn't visited in a while which is a great thing don't you love that don't you love just rediscovering an album or something like that you know oh i do it all the time and it just kind of blows me blows me away i what was it I was listening to the other day on vinyl, and I was like, you know, I've forgotten how good this album was. And it was just like, you know, man, that's that's really some really, really good music. Yeah, I mean, you know, people purchasing vinyl has done that. And also just sometimes you just going back through your stuff and you see something and you grab it. And that's, you know, it's, it's a wonderful thing. And sometimes you hear things like, because you and I are prepping right now for a uh, an album review episode coming up soon. Mm-hmm. And um, listening to that album which I'm, I guess we could say what album it is, right? Or, Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're prepping to do uh, Mark Ford's It's About Time album, his first solo album. And I had listened to that in quite, quite a bit of time. And uh, you know, I, I kind of heard some tracks on it that when I used to listen to it, I, it you know, weren't the standouts for me that have become the standouts. I always love that. I always love when you 
something catches you differently, you know, a different point in your life, it would mean something different to you. It's great. And there's no like rhyme or reason for it. No, not at all. Um, I fell in love with the cure earlier this year and I had heard that, you know, cure music all, you know, basically all my life and never really did anything to me. And literally just one day it just clicked. This is an amazing band. And it's just weird how that, how that happens. It, and it usually winds up hitting my pocketbook pretty hard. Yeah, now I, am, I am uh, envious of your. You just you're a, you're a man that when you you hear something and you like it, you go all in and you. Uh, I, I you think know. I think I got like six or seven albums from the Cure on vinyl. Yeah, that was like at the very very beginning of the quarantine when you know you couldn't do anything. I just sat around and listened to the Cure. <laughs> it's a very very uplifting way to spend your quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they got a lot of my money, just like uh, the Jayhawks got a lot of my money in the last couple of weeks. But hey, that's okay. And I would like to say, you know, uh, to to our listeners out there, if you are still, you know, an individual that likes to uh, purchase a physical product, or even if you buy digital stuff, purchase the albums, and if, if if at all possible, get them directly from the artist's website or their, you know, their web store or whatever, because that I, I it, you know, that supports them the most. And this is really, really the time when those people could uh, use the support. And, you know, I know, I mean, some of these artists have given me a lifetime's worth of things that I cherish. So, I mean, you know, to give back a little bit is, is cool. Yeah. So go buy it and don't stream. Well, if you stream it, make sure you've bought it first. But speaking of streaming, uh, we do need to apologize to people that listen to us on Spotify. For whatever reason, our Don Lane episode did not, for whatever reason, Spotify's program didn't pick it up so we apologize for that but if that ever happens and you see that we've released something and it's not on like spotify or whatever you can always go to soundcloud or stitcher or if you have a uh, apple product apple podcast and and get it but i've been in touch with spotify and uh we believe it was just a little glitch and not anything that's going to be a problem going forward yeah i mean unfortunately the uh the way to undo that was was a bit complicated and would uh result in some some issues so we kind of just let that one go for now and uh, hopefully everything will be back on track in the future we do appreciate everybody that brought it to our attention though that's uh, you know thank you yeah and uh that don episode man he really hit it out of the park yeah i got some got some great feedback on that episode and i i really enjoyed doing it don was don's a very interesting guy he's a he's a very nice guy and uh so far i've heard uh you know a lot of people really enjoyed it and that's great yeah we're definitely gonna try to have him back on in the future probably numerous times uh he has a lot of good insight and a lot of connections and just uh he's just a nice guy to boot so i didn't realize that the first tall tales volume we did was like episode six and then episode 40 i, we, I don't think i don't think we intended to leave such a gap between uh installments of that but it just kind of happened that way but hopefully we'll have some more uh more of that type of thing in the future hey stuff happens you know i mean we uh we kind of map a lot of this stuff out several, usually a month or so in advance, but then like something comes up where we are able to get an interview. We just, we push everything a little bit back and go for that. But yeah, we've got a couple of, uh, we're going to do the Mark Ford album. We're going to do live at the Greek. We're going to do uh, big moon ritual coming up and we've got some, um, some good interviews. Uh, one we're really looking forward to. We hope that takes place and, uh, thank you everybody for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, uh, it really helps us if you go to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and write us a review. That helps to uh, boost our profile 
which uh, will boost our numbers. And, and the more people we have listening, uh, the more guests we can get. And that, you know, and plus it just helps get the word out about the crows. And, you know, we kind of want to spread the word about them. And so uh, if you get a second, go on Apple podcast and just hit five stars and just write a few words. We'd greatly appreciate it. Yeah. It really, th- really throws me off when David posts on the Facebook page. Cause usually that's uh that's my neck of the woods. So when he does it, I look like the RCA dog, like with my head cocked to the side, staring at the uh, speaker. Cause I can't, I say, I don't remember posting that. <laughs> so, then I realized David did, you know, well, he's trying yeah, to trick me is what it is. Yeah. I just popped on there this afternoon and I was like, we need some more because we've got a lot, but we, you know, the more we get, the more it'll show us, like, for instance, like if, if like a bunch of people that listen to Adam Carolla's podcast listen to ours, there's a chance it may pop up there for a day or two underneath there. You may also like State of America. Yeah, all of that helps, but uh, we do appreciate everybody that's done that. It's, it really helps us. Yeah, and I do just want to say to uh, some folks out there, you know, because I get some messages here and there, and obviously none of them are ill-intentioned or anything but uh unfortunately you know the the current situation with you know COVID-19 and all that it's it's created a lot of uh chaos on my end so some things that are meant to have uh you know been shipped out to uh people or things like that have been delayed and don't worry everything will be arriving and everything will get sorted and it's just uh these times are a little uh uncharted territory so sometimes you know Life gets in the way, and I do apologize to anybody that's been waiting on things. But uh, uh, speaking of uh, things that we're waiting for, the vinyl reissue of Crowology has yet again been delayed, this time till September. Uh, I'm hoping we will see this thing before the end of the year. I don't know what's uh, causing the delay, but I, I got to tell you, I'm really looking forward to this one because I missed out on the original issue of that. I It was available, uh, you know, it was like 60 bucks at the time, and I said, oh, I'll, I got to come back and get that. Because I didn't, I, I couldn't swing it right at the moment, and then by the time I got back, that was it, and I never saw it again. I cannot wait for it to come out, and I know we're gonna we're gonna do a review of the album if it ever comes out on vinyl. I, I really like. It. I think it's a hidden gem in the Crow's catalog. To me, it's a great earphone album, headphone album. It's it's so well done, and you have all these different people adding these tasteful elements to it. And I remember when I heard it was gonna come out, I was so kind of mad i was like don't go in and re-record material that's what bands do when they're out of ideas you know do an archival release or you know do, do, record a new album and so i really wasn't that looking that forward to it and i got it and i was just blown away by the musicianship and how they reworked and rearranged things and to me like when i look at it like well, this, my favorite song on there is girl from a pawn shop and it, when i saw that was going to be on there i'm like how are they going to pr- pr- produce or replicate the emotion that Mark Ford's guitar playing had on that, primarily on an electric guitar. How are they going to do that acoustically? And man, they hit it out of the park. It's my favorite version of She Talks to Angels. That, I mean, you're absolutely right, though. A lot of bands do re-record material, either when they're out of ideas or they're trying to Recoup some reclaim royalties. it. Yeah, reclaim some royalties. But in their case, the way they presented it when it came out made it okay with me because they kind of presented it as like, hey, we got together and just played some tracks uh, acoustically and recorded it, and here it is. And it was kind of kind of low-key and relaxed. And you're right, though. That's To me, that's what re- rejuvenated my appreciation for She Talks to Angels was that version on there because, I mean, you know, you've heard that song so many times. I don't ever need to hear the studio one again, really. Well, and they couldn't, they couldn't have had a better person to record that album than Luther Dickinson. Yeah, I mean that he's and he's fantastic on it. That's like his probably the best showcase of his 
time in the Black Crows. And I, I really like – it's really like a fan's album because like the way they do Good Friday on that has the extra harmonica in the beginning like it always does live. Right. It's like almost like they've lived in the songs for a while and here's what they are like now as opposed to when they first recorded them. You know, It's kind of cool. Yeah, there was there were a few misses on there. I didn't like uh, "Bad Luck, Blue Eyes Goodbye," and I didn't like that "Let Me Share the Ride" where they had the drum machine. Really, see, like I thought at first I wasn't gonna like that, but it's kind of cool in a way. Because I think every everything else about the track was like because I really liked the Rich's playing on it and everything like that. But I could understand like uh, the Black Crows is the last place you expect to hear a drum machine. So, but then again. Then again they always do things that you don't expect necessarily. You don't, so. you don't, you don't, you don't put Steve Gorman on the sideline. Maybe he was operating the drum machine. You Maybe know. so. I did love though. You know when they were on that tour, and they would do Hotel Illness, and Steve came out in the marching band uniform. You know, with the big bass drum. <laughs> Speaking of uh, songs that Steve comes out front on, "Woe Mule" is one of them from from More Paint. I did not know how dislike that song was by a, a good portion of the Crows fan base. I can't, huh? I can't stand it. Oh, for God's sake. And I swear Why? there was like a two-year stretch. Every time show I went to, they played it. And I would just... To me, they don't have a whole lot of misses, but that's a miss. I don't know. There's something about that song that I really like, and I always did from the beginning. I I, I think it's the lyrics more so than anything, and, and uh, like an element of desperation, but an element of hope in it to me. Like I don't know. That's why I always liked it. it was, it's lyrically, it really did a lot for me, and musically, I liked it. I don't really know why people don't like it. I, what is it that's unappealing about it to you? Some of the stuff there toward the end, just I don't know. It got a little bit out of their bang zone, I guess. Don't be such a square, David. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> giving, just giving my opinion. <laughs> that brings us to this week. We had a fantastic interview that actually we've, in a typical fashion, we've actually just concluded doing that interview, so we're, we're fresh off of it. And I got to tell you, fantastic time I had. I know you had, David, and that was speaking with Mark Olson and his wife, Ingen Ringvold. Uh, they have an album out together right now called uh, Magdalene Accepts the Invitation. And so we talked to them a little bit about their new album. We talked to uh, Mark specifically about you know his time touring with the crows early on and being produced by chris robinson and i mean i don't know about you david but i gotta tell you you know out of the interviews we've done i really was one of the nicest experiences we've had all nice experiences too you know what I'm we saying? haven't had a bad experience yet no i may have just jinxed us yeah i know you put the horns on it <laughs> but uh yeah we haven't had a bad experience yet. mark and his wife were very nice we actually had it scheduled for last week but ian got caught up in the hurricane in new york and so uh we had to push it back, but that they were very nice to, to do that. And, uh, yeah, it was really, it was really fun talking to him, especially since I've gotten into his music as much as I have. And he had, uh, he had some, a couple of funny stories about touring with the crows. And, it, you know, as, you're, as you'll hear him say, he still has good relations with all of them. And, and obviously Mark played a role in, in kind of the production of one of his albums. And, you know, he still uh, talks with Chris and he even talked about Colt and uh, he still uh, he's still plugged in with them. He, you know, he told me that they had uh, he's got a very positive relationship with all of them. You can tell that he really enjo- they really enjoyed he really enjoyed touring with them. And uh, you'll hear him talk about how Chris rubbed off on him and he rubbed off on Chris a little bit when it comes to music. They, they were both really fantastic people and very very down to earth and and it was a great conversation and uh we enjoyed it very much we we're 
we hope you enjoy it. And uh, if I we we mention this again later, but I just do want to say that uh, you can visit markolsonmusic.com. That's Mark with a K, and 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 pick up you know, his his past albums, this current album. Current album's called Magdalene Accepts the Invitation. It's also available on Bandcamp, uh, digitally, uh, and on vinyl and CD. Uh, I'm told the CD is becoming hard to come by, so if you're if that's your medium, you might want to jump on that quickly. You can also get it by Amazon and the usual digital streaming platforms. But uh, you know, we both highly recommend checking it out. It's a very unique record, and, and we think you'll enjoy it. So, uh, David, unless you've got anything else, uh, I say we throw it over to Mark Olson and Ingen Ringbold. I wouldn't go, they won't remind you, I wouldn't go, that's all. Someone's there behind you, gonna put his thumb down, one of them is mine. Will you see me at all? Will you see me at all? I'm the one that always runs April in your cloud garden I live without you no need to remind you, I live without you, that's all. Poison oak and candle, wonder how you get there. Every person loved, be with your love again. All right, Ian, we're really excited this week because when we started this podcast, I don't know, 15 or so months ago, one of the most requested people we have that was not a member of the Crows was uh, Mark Olson. I was lucky enough to connect with him on social media and his wife, Ingen. They uh, coincidentally have an album that just came out uh, a couple of months ago, I believe 1st of June, called Magdalene uh, Accepts the Invitation. We are very, very pleased to welcome to the podcast uh, Mark Olson and his wife, Ingen. It's good to be here. We're, I'm glad that, uh, that somebody in the, the Black Crows world remembered me. That was many years ago. You know, it's like, I think it's been three lifetimes since then, but we're all still playing music. We're all out there playing music, and uh, the old COVID-19 put us back on our heels a little bit. It's had a little bit, it's, it's kind of roughed us up a little bit over here. We, we had, uh, we've had two tours canceled this summer, so already, so, and, and we, stay, we have another one up ahead, they'll probably be canceled too, so that's just the way it goes, and it's kind of a, uh, our big thing in life is rehearsing and going on tour, you know? So, so now we kind of got to find other things to uh, occupy ourselves with. In that regard, what have you uh, come up as an alternative to not being able to tour? Well, okay. <laughs> uh, I have two vegetable gardens going. Uh, that's what I do in the evening. I have, uh, we have two dogs. We just got in there, both puppies, basically. We just got one of them in October, and then we actually got the second one. It has the same parents. They're seven months apart. Uh, they're, they're both uh, the small ones of the litter, and that's how come we got them. And uh, we got the other one in May when COVID had already started, and they've kind of taken over our lives as far as our uh, 
communication, their companionship, and the dramas that go along with them because they are very young and so they're always into something. And we have right. a lot of animals and uh, wildlife out here. And uh, I've continued to uh, play music. I continue to do some rehearsing, a bit of writing, you know, trying to, uh, I continue to, you know, just technical things. I continue to dream about the next guitar I'm going to get and things like that. Do you want to say some of the things you've done? Uh, yes. Oh, well, okay. So when we had the album release in the month of June, we had a lot of press. Uh, we were doing interviews, so we were keeping busy and a little bit into July also. And then it just kind of got into this the summer heat and you get a little fatigued because it's so hot out here. And I don't know, for me, it's kind of been a little bit slow. We did uh, record some live uh, performances uh, on our porch that we uh, was presented in Pop Matters. And I think you, it, it's on YouTube as well. So we did a little bit of that, but but lately, I think the last couple of weeks, I don't know, I, I was just sitting here thinking about, or we were talking about it earlier today, because I was reading this article, I got totally addicted to the news app on my iPad now, so every morning I have my coffee and I scroll down <laughs> to the, with the news, and there was this article that we're talking about how the independent, uh, or the, the scene, the concert scene, that we are sort of a part of that, that if they don't get funding, they're going to die, they're going to disappear. And then I was sitting here thinking like, when the CD evaporated, there really wasn't a good alternative for the like financial ecosystem for touring. Uh, so I'm sitting here thinking like, what if we kind of let what was die and start to reimagine what we want to do and where we want to go. Maybe we have to build from scratch a little bit. Maybe we have to be yeah. creative and dream of something new. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I've been thinking it's going to be the same. When they lift it, we'll be able to go back and do our tours. But now I'm finding out, you know, that maybe that's not going to be the case. So that's just the way it is. We have a male-female thing going on here where she's really wanting to get out of the house now and go do, like... <laughs> She's, she set up a tent in the yard. She's already camping in the yard. Yeah. And I've been sort of like, okay, it's COVID. I'm, I'm buckled down at home. I got like a perimeter set up so people can't just come up, even though some people come up trying to keep, you know, like it's not six feet social distancing in the, in the desert. It's like 600 yards. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. there's some guys working on a roof literally 100 yards but they're in a higher elevation so i can see them and i'm going man i'm wondering like do i need to stay in when they're out there you know i've, I've gone so completely off the deep end now with it <laughs> i just really uh, it's i i don't know so yeah. mark's been sort of you know playing and writing again and stuff like that and i've had some kind of like an imaginary vacation yeah. where i pretend that i'm camping right now yeah i like went to the <laughs> ordered a bunch of stuff and made myself a trail yeah, mix and, and there's no they, so but i, I, I but it's gonna be full now so i'm gonna get back yeah. to work that's, the male female thing is that i'm content to stay at home okay <laughs> i really am i'm i'm happy here i'm good but she definitely wants to see some things and it's crazy the first time we went out we went to whitewater regional park yeah 
And then there was a fire there. So we can't even go back. It burned. So, maybe that was an omen you need to stay at home for a while. Yeah. So yeah. I think so. I need to keep an eye on those workmen 100 yards away. Well, I think you're uh, – Mark, I'm, I'm a pharmacist during the day, and I, I can tell you uh, you're, being, you're being very smart to uh, try to stay away from people right now. I mean, it's, oh, it's, uh, boy. I heard the stories. I heard if you get it, it doesn't really go away, so I'm not really – this thing is not something you want to catch in, you know, if yeah. you, if you I, with all those things that the aftermath of, even if you recover, you're going to have lung, the problem yeah. with your lungs. And uh, it's just awful. I will say as a musician and most musicians go through this, if they tour as, and I've heard that if you've been sick a lot, if you've had a lot of other viruses in your life, you may have some kind of, antibodies in some subtle way against this thing yeah it's called it's called immune training there's some thought that some of the vaccines also for other viruses can contribute to that so that's not a that's not a that's not necessarily a bad thing so um you guys put out this album i think i believe if i my research is correct it's the third one that you've done together is that correct that's right so one of the things I wanted to ask you first was, like you said, y'all have the male-female dynamic going there. What's it like working with your uh, significant other? Well, it works really good in this in this uh, situation because we're a team. And all the things that we do after I've been you know, playing music a long time, and I kind of went early to the uh, do-it-yourself format, I kind of felt it coming in a way. So I have a lot of experience doing it. And all the things that we do, you do them in order and we split the labor right down the middle. So when we're recording, I do the analog engineering. And like you saw, she does the digital engineering. So she'll do the Pro Tools. I'll do the actual setting up of the mics and I'll do, you know, the listening and and getting all the, the analog sounds together. And then she'll take it into the digital world for that. When we're on the road, uh, I'll be... I I generally, when you go to a club, somebody has to talk. We don't have a tour manager, okay? So I end up, even though I don't want to, I end up doing all of the initial talking as we go into the club, as we go to the backstage. Yeah, yeah, and you get get saved that. I hate small I know, and I have to do it. And I do it, I do it, I do it, I do it. I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking. And I have a cold. <laughs> I'm spreading my cold bug all over the place. And she's having a wonderful time. She's focused on tuning and, you know, she's going to play this beautiful show. So that's how it goes. You know, we just, we switch all these, we take care of all these different roles. And uh, that's really good. And now we're at the point where we, we, we don't even have to talk about it. We just, we go through the motions of the day where we're splitting up the labor and we each have the things that we have to do, you know. We still, this is supposed to be funny, you guys. We still haven't figured out who's going to collect the money, though, at the end of the night. <laughs> the, the record itself, I mean, is, is a very, very beautiful record, largely due to uh, some of the string arrangements that are on the record, which I understand were arranged by uh, Ingen. I was just wondering what the inspiration was for, for some of those string arrangements. Well, Mark kind of made a playlist for me of things that he was like, you got to go and listen to this and, you know, maybe we can walk down this path with this song and stuff. 
And uh, so what I would do was I would spend my time coming up with parts and then also, but also trying to figure out uh, what sound was gonna be uh, most beautiful. Uh, like, am I gonna have strings here or flutes or where is it gonna be? And then Mark would come along kind of like strip things away. And uh, so that's where the shyness, I think, is when we did the, the ending, when he came along and said, well, maybe we don't need that. Maybe it'll open up if you take that away. Or what about this? What about that? So, uh, yeah. And yeah. I, there's a radio station called show called Come to the Sunshine. And I learned a lot about 60s production from that show. And basically, well, you know, Van Dyke Parks and uh, uh, many other groups uh, had kind of intricate string arrangements in the 60s. And so I tried to play some of that stuff for Ingen. And uh, I think that she, she did really great. I like when she uses the plucking, like this strange kind of plucking sound. I really like that. And uh, I like it when it's a little different, you know, and, and I think it's also her background. She's from Norway. She had a different education. And, you know, they taught her how to read music over there. And uh, she retained uh, a lot of the early sounds she heard. Their uh, music, their national music that you hear has a lot of majors on top of minors, back and forth kind of thing. So I don't know. She just did a really good job. She has her own voice with that. And some people noticed that. We got reviewed with uh what's the name of the girl group oh oh yeah. yeah we got reviewed with them just us and them <laughs> they really were i they, they love Ohm, i know but they they were really nice to ing and they were saying wow this this girl's really got some string arrangements going so that was cool <laughs> it is quite impressive and you look at the i was reading uh, in the in the press packet the all the different instruments she plays and one of them's the dulcimer and i've, I've always heard that's a very difficult instrument to play is that correct I think maybe the dulcimer is the easiest instrument to play. Really? A bit, on yeah. some levels. But, but are the, you talking about the harp, the but, canoon? But the canoon is the one that's very difficult. It has 77 strings, and I think people call that a dulcimer to a hammer dulcimer. That's right. Yeah, so, the Persian version. Yeah, but yeah. She, she took lessons on that and devoted herself to that. We had, what happened with us, <laughs> we had like a timeout in our life where we had an immigration issue and maybe maybe it was a two-year timeout where where we were kind of in a state of not knowing what was going to happen to us because we were waiting in the immigration line and and so uh during that time i thought of a couple things to do and one of them was she was interested in this lesson so i figured out how she could get these lessons because i was plotting and scheming i've been scheming this thing from day one with her i saw ingen as a very she had a high initial level of musicality okay she didn't we didn't form the group around her playing the dulcimer and the canoon and doing arrangements when we started the group, she was singing and playing the drum. That was it, singing and playing the drum. But she has a high initial level. And so we've been slowly, 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 slowly working her up. And while that's been going on, I've been working on different ways of writing songs, trying not to uh, write songs that have the same kind of uh, chord progressions and melodies that you hear on a lot of songs. I've been putting most of my time into trying to come up with a new way uh, different tunings of having 
original songs, you know, and that's difficult. I mean, uh, a lot of music today really is is based on music of the past, you know, so they're drawing on things that people have already heard. And I, I get it, you know, it's like you want something that you're familiar with. You want something that gets a vibe in you. And so, but I've been trying to get us in a place where we're trying to write, you know, our, spend a lot of time on those initial melodies, those initial tunings, and try to come up with our own kind of music. And, and that's, that's, that's a challenge. It, it really is. It's a challenge. I see it as a, a very successful attempt, though, because this record definitely has that. It has a lot of the more Americana nature of, of your stuff, Mark, and then also some more, shall we say, like international kind of elements into it. And like on paper, that might sound like it would be disjointed, but it, the two the two kind of influences blending together really becomes something unique, and it's something uh, it's familiar yet unique. I, I did you feel like you were taking a risk by kind of Merging these things together, or was it just kind of effortless? I I applied a a theory. If you're going to do something in life, you just got to do it, okay? So there's no, like, sitting around, talking about it, dreaming about it. I've lived in the desert for 25 years, Mm -hmm. and a lot of times desert life, because it's so hot, you can sit around just talking and dreaming and da-da-da-da-da. But (laughs) I've always been a proponent of actually doing it, doing something. And that's what we did. We went out and made the first record. We went out and made the second record. We thankfully had Glitter House Records at that time who were interested in putting out these records. So we had a chance. Not everyone gets that. So we had this chance to uh, make these records and improve by making the records and then going on tours, crazy tours. Some of them were really great and some of them were really bad. So, (laughs) But we just did it. And then when it came time to do this record, I felt like, in a way, I felt like, okay, now we've taken all the risks, we've taken all the chances, and now we'll try to hone this thing back together and do do the best that we can. Yeah, for me, the this the third record is kind of a uh, it's kind of a telling of of what we did and how we grew during these years and there's a lot of stuff that we're doing on this record that we wouldn't have been able to do if it wasn't for you know going and touring under hard circumstances and and upgrading our gear and 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 keep at it and and like mark said just doing it yeah without you know expecting it to be some one like not everything when your tour is like a wonderful experience yeah but I think all successful, medium successful, not successful musicians will tell you that you go out and you do a lot of things and you play a lot of shows and you record a lot of songs that aren't like this thing that everyone's jumping up and down going, wow, that's wonderful. Whoa, wow. You don't know. It's just what it is. You just are doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. And then eventually your level gets higher and higher and higher. You hope to work yourself up. I've gone through that, and and I and it's just the way it is. I, I think that today, because there isn't a chance, I heard that uh, in the '60s there was over a hundred folk clubs in the 50-mile radius of Manchester, England. Okay, can you imagine? So you can go out wow. and play five nights a week. You're out there working on your songs. Okay, you can have a job. And then you can go play your songs five nights a week, and you can do that for 10 years. At the end of that, you're pretty damn good, okay? 
Sorry for my English, you guys. <laughs> but that's not the case anymore. Now, now what you're doing is you're you're doing some pro tool thing and putting it up on the internet, and you know it's just a different scene. Well, let me ask you about that, Mark, because you talked about you set up stuff analog, and then Ingen does Pro Tools. Is there? Do you prefer to do things on analog, and Pro Tools is just like a something that you just have to do these days? Or if if you, with all things being even, would you rather record analog? Well, yeah, the first two of the three were analog. We just started this thing where Ing, where Ingen rented Pro Tools really for this record, and so it's it's pretty minimalistic. We're we're just. Uh, you know, we're putting it in there, so there's not really we're not really pro tooling it all that much. I've read in a couple of places that y'all recorded this using a field recorder. What exactly is that? Okay, it, the, now the, there's a history of that thing. The Beatles actually used it. It's called a Nagra. They have very good preamps, so we're really just using it as the preamps in a place to digitally store. They turn from tape. Okay, it's like, and also sound devices. We have a little sound device thing too. They're used for for movies, and they're used for uh, classical recording. So they're a very clean thing, and that's our system. And we can carry it. It's portable. It's portable, so we can actually record outside. We can go record. Uh, we can travel and we record. But what what we really boils down to is we move it around the house. So we're not going into one set studio place. We set up and tear down each time. And that's kind of neat in a way. It kind of keeps your mind a little bit free, you know, as far as... And our house isn't that big. So if we were to devote an entire section to like a studio, it really wouldn't work. And we rent microphones. We go and we rent good microphones at uh, sound... uh, Sounds something in, in LA. They're they're a movie sound company, and all the microphones that were used on the monkeys, on uh, the Doors, on Love, all the great bands, man. All those mics are sitting in LA in, in rental. The beautiful old old Neumanns, they're there, and so uh, yeah. And so the first time I went there, they were they were like you know they they don't really like to give you their best mic right away. I don't know what else to say about that. <laughs> but you know what I mean. But but yeah, now now I can get a pretty good mic out of there. So it's it's funny that you mentioned that with uh, this this type of equipment because the the current album seems to have like a lot of space to breathe sonically. It almost has like an airy quality to it. Uh, would you contribute that to the to, to the more vintage equipment you've been using? Yeah, I would, and also the lack of multiple tracking. Mm. Yeah, that too. But also, I turned 40 last uh, October, and I went away uh, to Norway to celebrate with my family. And during that time, Mark stayed here, and he uh, was reviewing, mixing the record. So, And then when I came back, there was a lot of tracks. A lot of the elements had gone away. And I'm like, what, what happened here? What happened to this song? Uh, but in, uh, I'm glad that we had that, that uh, what do you say? Breathing. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I'm glad it happened that way. Because actually, uh, some of the songs just shine more when they're open this way, like and, you were saying. And this leads into the sound of the album leads into actually a kind of a Black Crows connection where Mark Ford, he lives in San Clemente. 
Mm. And we have kind of stayed in touch over the years. And I went down there to visit him. How many years ago would this have been? Five, yeah, four five, or five years yeah, ago. He just had his album out. So he had this cool thing going on. And, and uh, we hung out a little bit. I watched him play at a local bar. And then he brought me to a studio there. And then I ha- I've stayed in touch with that studio. So he introduced me to the guy, John Schreiner, Jasmine Studio, San Clemente, California. He introduced me to him. And John works on a rec- He actually does the mixing. And he worked with uh, some of the wrecking crew, Hal Blaine. He worked with him in some of the studios in L.A. when he was first starting, okay? And he was a keyboard player. So he was in some sessions as a young man. So he loves the old sound. And, and that's where he's coming from. He's coming from uh, a nice, clean, old sound thing. So I, do the, I mix it, and then I give it to him. And he fine tunes it, you know what I mean? And, and he gives it kind of the, what you're talking about, the room sounds. He gives it the room sounds. And he's down there in San Clemente. So I have Mark Ford to thank for getting me in touch with him. I would have never gotten to know this guy. He's a cool guy. He's very focused. He does the sound for uh, a TV. Showtime. Showtime. Before we get to your history with the Crows, I have one more question about the album. And it's about a song that... Uh, I think it's probably my favorite one on there is Elmira's Fountain. Before me now when I lie awake You just reappear You just reappear A lovely river little bit about the inspiration for that because i was reading about it and also ingen you really get to show off your uh, show off your pipes on that one as well That's so funny that you should mention that song because mark has been saying that i love that song like we gotta do more like and maybe we should do more in that vein on our next record and i'm like yeah. nobody talks about that song nobody no. cares <laughs> like you're the only one yeah it's so funny that i've been a big booster of that song i didn't want like i didn't really want the song yeah on the record, i was the one Marcus that forced like, no, it no we're putting I'm, it up from day one i said we're doing that song we're doing that song we're doing that song we had so much trouble getting it getting uh the, the basic piano and singing was fine okay we got that but then putting together some other elements on that thing uh man it just proved it, it, it. I think it's because we didn't use a click. Okay, yeah, we yeah. didn't use a click because we had the two uh, uh, different tempos going, and which works really cool in the song. So I wanted to keep that. We couldn't work with a click on it that way, so we recorded without a click. And then we oh, it was just like so. It ended up being very sparse, very sparse because of some of those things. Yeah, there's no drums. I don't think we 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 had drums, but out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, Ingen, your your voice is just so powerful, though. On that, it just adds so much to, to the track. 
Thank you. Yeah, I think uh, I think that that song is the where my voice sits is kind of where I can let out the most with my vocal. So yeah, it's a, it's a fun song to sing. It's kind of like a just just sing kind of a song. Yeah. So, Mark, you had mentioned uh, just a, a few moments ago about your, your relationship with Mark Ford. I'm assuming that that's a, uh, a relationship that started when you were in the Jayhawks and you guys opened for the Crows. How did you come to meet the Black Crows and, and, and tour with them a couple of times? Well, that's that start. We did two tours. And I, and I will say it, it was the uh, classic lineup. And I will say that... The second tour was the one that I remember the best, and I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed everything about it because we had kind of, over the first tour, kind of gotten to know them. I will say that that environment, that's big-time touring in, in these huge places, and there's pressure, you know. There, there's pressure on them, and they deal with it really well, but at the same time, you, you have to admit that... Uh, that it's a pressure cooker, you know, to, to get out there and do that every night and all the various things going on. It's a lot. And so it, it's kind of hard to get to know someone in, 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 in a way because it's such a different kind of environment. But the second tour, I felt like we got to know them really well. And they were, uh, they displayed signs of Southern hospitality. Okay. They would actually, they would cook up these things like, Bowling. Okay, we're going bowling. What do you mean going bowling? Yeah, we're going bowling. So I'll go bowling. Or we're going out after the show to this club, and Mark Ford's going to jam with this guy on guitar. So off we go. So they started kind of including us in uh, some of their uh, gatherings, and that was fun. They had a bar, Johnny. Johnny Colt, he created a bar in the dressing room and he would invite us over there. So that was really cool. And Johnny Colt was actually, he was sort of a uh, booster kind of guy. He would come up and he would start talking to you about, okay, your show's going great this way, but I think you better, you know, up it a little bit on this end and you got to rock it on this end. And then I remember specifically on the second tour, it was called a tertiary market tour. And that was so much fun because it was in towns like St. Joseph's, Missouri. And in Shreveport, Louisiana, we played at the uh, old uh, municipal auditorium where they used to have the Louisiana Hayride where Hank Williams played and all these great old. And I walked on that stage and it was wood. Everything's wood. And you could hear, you know, I played acoustic guitar. You could hear, whoa, wow, man, you can hear everything. And they rocked so hard that night. It was like completely like this wooden box. It was, <laughs> everything was rocking. We played our best show, I think, that night. I remember them being on the side of the stage. And from that point on, uh, it was just, it was in a way, it was kind of like a party, uh, you know, like a kegger in a way. It was really cool. It was really fun. <laughs> From that gig on, I felt like something changed where it's like just a, I think it was part of the atmosphere of that. Uh, the, it, I felt like the pressure was off and, and it was just sort of like now we're playing. We're really doing it. So, yeah, for us, for us, at least for me, I when it first started, I felt a little uncomfortable with the venues. I never had played in anything like that before. But it, by the time we got to that second part, the second half of the set, I felt like, okay, we're in the group now. We understand this. And uh, 
in the years since, I've, you know, seen Mark. I've seen Chris. I don't know if Johnny remembers, but I've seen him in, in Atlanta. I actually rented something. And uh, so, and, and I haven't seen Rich in the years since, but uh, I... Uh, have followed his the, both the Chris and Rich bands. I've listened to. I like them both, and uh, I think uh, it's it's just uh, they're, they're hardworking guys that have managed to stay in the music business with their songs and their melodies. You know what else can you say? Well, Mark, was it the George Draculius and you know American uh, recording connection? Is that what initially got you guys hooked up opening for them? Yeah, I think so. I think that that would be at 100%. I think that, that it was that uh, connection about trying to get out there and play in front of people. I think that that, that was the thing. And uh, But I think that there was some common musicality there. Definitely, I was a person that was attracted to uh, traditional music. Now, rock can be traditional, too. And I think they their their big hit was a soul song. Okay, mm-hmm. that was their first hit, soul song, beautiful old soul song, hard to handle, mm-hmm. incredible. So, whatever you want to call it, that's traditional music. So we had that in common. And uh, Chris had a huge record collection and was always listening to uh, things that I, you know, I had followed back the country and the folk stuff really hard. I'd really looked at country and folk. I'd really found a lot of obscure stuff, but he had followed the rock stuff a lot more than me, and I learned a lot of things about rock music. And there's nothing else to say. I was I I hadn't been exposed to that much rock my entire life. I was kind of, you know, Dave Von Ronk is the folky guy I'm listening to. You know? So all of a sudden, it, it was like, it was like, oh. You know, the small faces and things like that. I hadn't really listened to that very much. So Now, while you guys were on a tour together, did you, was there occasions where you would uh, jam together? Yeah, I think I think that that, was, that would have been at the bars. That was at the bars, okay? Late night jam sessions. There there's, was a couple of those where, where a band, a local band is playing. And then you get up and you play with them. It's, all, <laughs> it's incredible. You know, it really, you, the place really lights up. You know, Mark Ford would light it up, man. That, that guy, he was like, he was liquid dynamite at that kind of thing. And and then Chris would get up and play. And, you know, we tried to get up and play, too, you know. But but they, they were very good at that. that. That was something that they were good at. They, they'd get up there on, in, in Charleston, South Carolina, there was a good jam like that. It was, it was a sort of a public... Uh, let's do a Flying Burrito Brothers song. Let's do Sin City, you know, and, and you do it and party, you know. It's fun. Well, you know, their their last two albums, the War Paint album before the Frost album, definitely had a lot of elements of music that I, that I think kind of come from your background. Um, you know, a lot, especially in Before the Frost, a lot of folk stuff. And so maybe uh, maybe you rubbed off on Chris rubbed off gave got you into the rock bands and maybe you rubbed off on him a little more with the, some of the folk. I music. don't know because I was into the square folk. You know, I, I was into like uh, Dave Von Rock and I'm into Buffy Saint Marie. You know, I'm into like Four Corner folk and he was into uh, not that Buffy Buffy is incredible. Okay, she's her her 
her beautiful uh, politics and activism and all that stuff. Uh, uh, Universal Soldier, what a song, what a singer. So she's not really Four Corners, but he was into the uh, Incredible String Band. So so that was some pretty loose folk there. That was the style of folk that even, you know, I was into the American, I was into the, the folk movement. Uh, I was kind of stuck in the 60s, like, uh, what do they call that? The folk scare or whatever, you know. I, 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 I just really liked it. I liked the whole thing about it. I liked the acoustic guitar. I liked the sitting in a field and playing. I mean, Ingen still can't believe it. I'm writing all my songs outdoors. I'm going outdoors <laughs> and sitting in a park. You know, yeah. and having strange people yeah. come up to me in the middle of the songs. It was like my nightmare. <laughs> I, know. I know. when we first met. I'm going, we're in Nora. I'm going, man, that's a nice park. I'm going yeah. up to write a song yeah. there. Yeah, always bring your guitar. Yeah, and so, so I, I stay true to that kind of roots where I'm roaming around, sitting in the park, talking to people. And I really liked Norway, too, when I first met Ingen because they kind of had a park culture where you could go down to the, they have 7-Elevens there, and you'd go down and you'd buy this barbecue thing. Yeah. And then, so I'm writing songs and having a barbecue, so. <laughs> and then, they, and they like folk music there, so it was just kind of, it was the place that I needed to land, yeah. kind of put it back together. Well, Mark, when, when you and Gary got together and put out the Ready for the Flood album, Chris obviously produced that. How did that come to be, and kind of what was your experience having him produce you? Well, I thought it was a good experience. I really did. I enjoyed the whole I enjoyed the whole album. I thought it came out really nice. I met a good friend, Bo Raymond, who was the engineer that Chris brought in. So it's just a very uh it was all live, by the way. Now that's 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 a non pro tooled album. That's just an analog album. That's just a sitting and playing the songs. That doesn't get done very much, so I'm really happy with the way that thing came out, uh, and I'm happy with the lyrics, the melodies, everything about it. I think at that time that we made that record, that a lot of groups were really getting into Pro Tools and really, you know, like moving everything around, perfecting everything. And so when we put out an album that's, you know, Two guitars, everything live. Naturally, it's going to be a little loose when it's live. It's third take, fourth take. You know, I, I think we did seven takes on one song. It, I think it came across as a little, uh, whatever you want to call it, loose or whatever. But I like it. That, that's always been my uh, my direction has been I like things that are not overly done. And I think they last the test of time that way. I think you're absolutely right, and that that really ultimately that kind of scenario is what makes for the, uh, you know, the best records and everything. But uh, so, what do you guys have on the horizon for the for the near future? What's uh, what's next? Well, we have our tour in Holland. For some reason, I've always been able to go play in Holland, and we have how many dates now? Seven, maybe. Yeah, uh, something like that. Something like yeah, that. Yeah. And that's in uh, the uh, end of February. No, the yeah. beginning of February. Yeah, the beginning of February. So we're looking to cancel that one coming up here. That'll be a nice cancellation. Uh, I'll be looking forward to that. Yeah. You know, all these tours that we had, our American tour, and then we had a Scandinavian tour that's going to be in another month. I, I, I don't really, I don't know. I mean, they get canceled, you know, and so that's fine. But I never say that they're canceled. I just kind of 
I don't go. I'm on my Facebook page, man. My tour has been canceled. It's like the last thing I want to say. What a bummer, you know? Like, it's a bummer. I don't want, everyone's down. I don't want to, like, bring it down another notch. So so they just kind of, they just kind of slip off the page. I quit talking about them. And that's how the canceled tours are. Finally told a guy I got a big offer to do a European tour. He's going to give me all this money and all this stuff. He writes me. He's a French booker. Okay. <laughs> and I've done tours with him in their most chaotic tours you've ever imagined. Like, seriously weird. The, the only thing I will say about it is I did a tour in France, and it was at, at a place where they had really good food, if you remember that. He, the guy came back, the chef. And the guy that put on the show had written a book about European electric guitars. And he gave me the book full of these cool guitars, you know, really weird ones. You know, they didn't, we kind of have Gibsons and Strats, you know, that's what we have. And they had like hundreds of weird 60s guitars. So I remember that. But I told this guy, I'm not booking any more tours that are going to get canceled. Somebody straighten out the COVID mess, man, straighten it out. I do want to tell everybody they can go to your website, Mark Olson Music, and, and find out uh, which tours have been canceled and which tours haven't been canceled. <laughs> and just live in complete fantasy land where <laughs> they haven't been canceled. And uh, the album with Ungan is called Magdalene Accepts the Invitation. We highly recommend it. The music's a breath of fresh air. Like Ian said, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a different mix than what you're probably used to, and uh, they make it work. And so... Uh, Go there to his website, and you can also get the album there, and it's streaming at all of the other places that you normally can get music. And uh, Mark, as I told you earlier today when I was messaging you, we let our uh, our guest pick a playout song, and uh, why don't you tell everybody which one you wanted to play? I want to play Willin because from Tehachapi to Tonopah, and our two COVID friends, our dogs, are from a farm in Tehachapi. And when I put it on, and then it says to Hatchapi, I go, oh, you're from there. Oh, and then, then Ingen and the dogs look at me like I'm crazy. So it's just like, <laughs> just some something dumb you do when you get to be my age. You know, you like, you do stupid things like that. Hey, you're from Tehachapi, you know? Like, <laughs> so they don't care. I mean, you know. It fits perfectly because the Black Crows covered this song probably a hundred times. Uh well, Mark uh, and Ingen, we uh, really appreciate you taking some time out. It means a lot to us to get to talk to both of you. Hope the tours take off here soon and we can get past COVID and you guys can get back out on the road. We all hope everyone's back out on the road. You guys take care. Thanks for the opportunity here. Yeah, thanks. thanks Thank a, you so thanks much. Thanks a lot. And here's Little Feet with Will and Stay tall, everybody. Alice, Alice. 
You give. 